0: It's one of those things where it's like, I never, I never thought I would be in a situation like this. Like things don't happen to me like this. You know, I've always followed the, the steps of what you're supposed to do along the way. And, and here I am. But I think that's part of the reflection. It's like, oh, well, maybe this is where I'm supposed to go now.
1: Another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today, I have Dr. Sarah Gallegos on with me. She has been in higher education for the last 14 years. She's worked with undergrads, graduates, all aspects of student activities and student government. Now, where she's at currently is she decided to leave that position. Um, And at the time of this recording, that was about three weeks ago. So we get pretty in there with that decision. And we talk about what she was thinking and why she's making that decision. But also knowing that she has this consultant business that she did um, around four years ago. And so she is reviving that. And a lot of this call actually, a lot of this podcast episode actually turned into kind of like a coaching session, just because she's so early in the process. She's making some key decisions about who she's serving, why, how she can find them, and how she can help them. So that was really cool. And I think you'll like being able to kind of, you know, be a fly on the wall in that process, but also recognize that, you know, making those early decisions in your business are things that are in progress, that it's just the next step. And it's all about taking that next step. So I really loved the... The kind of how-to and the questions we really get into with this episode because she's um, early in her business and making the choices that she wants to make in order to basically create this income that will replace the position that she left. So... As she's, you know, her and what's cool about it, too, is she's also using her research that she did for her dissertation in her coaching in the offer that she has for other student affairs professionals. So I really hope you enjoy this one. And if you have any thoughts or comments or want to come hang out with us, a bunch of other academics with businesses, head on over to the Academics Mean Business Facebook community. All right. Welcome, Dr. Sarah Gallegos to Academics Mean Business. I'm so excited that you're here. All right. Thank you so much. She's a little jealous of me living in San Diego, I think she didn't say that, but
0: (laughs) It's a a (laughs) um, little bit
1: A little bit apparently she lived here for a while. So we were just connecting on that but welcome Thank you. It's great uh, to be here Yay. So I was reading a little bit about your bio. Um, we definitely haven't met yet. So this is our introduction to each other, which I love getting to do this on the podcast, hearing people's stories, um, you know, what they're doing in their businesses. And I think what's interesting about your work is you said you're restarting your consulting. So I'm, yes. I'm really excited to hear kind of what your journey looks like. Um, and on the podcast, we definitely start with academia uh, first. Yeah. So give us kind of what you studied. Um, you know, what kind of work you're doing right now at an institution, I feel like you're still currently employed. So, yeah, give us a little bit of that rundown.
0: Sure. Uh, so my story is I'm so I'm student affairs professional. So I'm on the student affairs side of a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a bachelor's degree in psychology from New Mexico mm. State. Um, then I went to the university of South Carolina for a master's in higher ed student affairs. And then I moved to San Diego after that. And I worked there for uh, 10 years in student activities, student government. Um, and then about four years ago, um, my family, we moved to the Boston area. Um, my, my husband's in research science. So it was one of those things where it was kind of a good time to kind of pick up and move for me within my job. And then also a good opportunity for him Uh, as well. Yeah. Um and here I've been, you know, working um at a couple institutions um a little bit outside of the range of what I normally did in California but kind of had to get my foot in the door in the mm. east east coast Boston student affairs inner circle. Ah. Um so that's what I did. And then um also in the meantime just uh I just finished my my doctorate um in, an EDD at the Northeastern University um Doctor of Education program. So awesome. that yeah so I finished I defended back in October so I'm brand new to Oh that wow world. so it's fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very fresh. Yeah. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. And the reason how I got connected with you and your um and your work is my friend Dave Ng. Uh, he put me in touch. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, Very cool. So that's how that worked. And he also is very much, you know, that student affairs side Mm -hmm. and we have that connection. So, yeah, um, that's kind of my journey here. I actually just quit my job. Um, (gasps) I know (laughs) it's a little scary. Um, That's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. It's huge. Um, (laughs) And I'm, you know, trying to work on getting this business up and Mm. going. So the way I say restarting it is that when Mm. I was... When I left San Diego, I, you know, I didn't have a job here immediately. And so thankfully my old institution kind of threw me a bone and said, Hey, we'll hire you as a consultant to kind of oh. work on the work I was doing there. I, I did the alternative spring break program. So I, I still finished that program and, you know, got to go on the trip again and I hired for my replacement. And so, you know, I had the consulting business in air quotes there, but now mm-hmm. I'm like actually kind of really full fledged putting my time into actually being Mm. a consultant. So that's, that's where that came from.
1: Oh, so yeah. So that's always my next question, which is like, how did you, fall into or choose the path of starting a business. So it sounds like it was a little bit out of necessity based on, you know, a life choice of leaving the area, but that the school Mm -hmm. was like, Oh, hey, we can kind of take care of you a little bit like and we obviously value your work. So now that you're no longer, you know, with us as an employee, like we can consult with you.
0: Yeah. It was, it was such a great, wow. great thing that they did for me. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So
1: in, so since that's happened, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about deciding to quit? Sure. Um, yeah. What, what, what's going on with that?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's been a kind of a whirlwind of the last couple of weeks, I should say. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Recent. So this is yeah.
1: very interesting timing. Okay. Super
0: recent. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, just where I was before my, you know, I was in a job that I was definitely overqualified for. And I was in an institution that was very, very much set in their ways. Um, and yeah. so it was the mentality around there was kind of a toxic environment if you came from mm. outside of it and it's that it's our way or the highway. And so I had been thinking, you know, been looking for other jobs and it, it basically just got to the point where I needed to just go, even if I mm-hmm. didn't have another opportunity. But while I was like exploring other, other jobs, I was like, oh yeah, I still have my business. Maybe I should really like look into that and mm-hmm. just like get in there. And and I was on your, on the Facebook page, the group that we have mm-hmm. and I was like, oh duh, I, could sh- I should do a website. And so I started doing that and I started writing mm-hmm. things. And so like, I've just kind of been building it over the last month month and a half, probably. So yeah, it's all still very new. I'm still like trying to, you know, get my feet under me. But it's, it's crazy and scary, but I'm actually okay with it all. Hmm. Yeah, it's,
1: it's interesting that we're talking, yeah, now and like the timing and everything. Um, On Friday, I'm recording this, I'm doing kind of a little bit of of batching, but um, Gertrude was on and she was talking about the she kind of has Uh, Calling currently to talk about creating the side hustle or income or gig or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. Um, as a as a backup plan, even though it feels like working in academia is pretty stable. um, You never know. You never know. life things that happen, like, for example, for you, like, you know, moving and then and then changing jobs, and maybe being in in an environment that isn't serving you so much, Mm -hmm. or, you know, there's so many different things that could happen. And so this idea that we have a knowledge that is needed, in, in so many ways, or a knowledge or a skill, then, you know, if we could build something on the side, then we have something to fall back on, because things aren't as guaranteed as maybe we like to think. Um, and so it sounds like you're really, that's like kind of where you're at right now. Um, and it's an important place, I think. And I, and in thank you for coming on the show and talking about it because I think it, you know, there probably are some other people that are sitting in that toxic environment, not knowing what maybe their options are. Yeah. Um. So I'm curious. So you, you're like, oh yeah. So I, I started this I have this consulting that I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. I have this skill set that I can turn into a service. Yeah. And, and then Dave probably added you to the group. Is that, is that what happened? He and did, was like, yeah. hey, you should... Okay, yeah. interesting. So what were, were that some of your first steps then to um, work on building a business? Like what... Because I think this is also an interesting... You're like in it right now. Yeah. The first steps towards making an online business. Was that for you? Find help uh, get, you know, get support, um, build a website where, where, what were you, what were your first
0: steps? Um, yeah, my, so I guess, you know, I was just kind of lost and just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out where I wanted to, (laughs) what I wanted to do. And, and I was looking through and, um, someone was posting about like, Oh, what do you do? What what web platforms do you use for your Mm. website? And then oh and that was where kind of like the light bulb came on with me and was like, oh, I should create like a website. And so Mm
1: -hmm. yeah.
0: And so like this one weekend, you know, I got on WordPress and I created my website and I just started building it and building it. And then from there I've kind, you know, been kind of tweaking it here and there and looking at what it is that I really wanted to do. And then I was like, okay, so I have a presence now and you know, I'm getting Mm -hmm. on the social media and I'm connecting everything. So all of my, my posts that I write, my blog posts are all connected and I'm trying to build up my social media network. Um, and I'm, and then in the meantime, I'm trying to like use my own personal networks within my student Mm, affairs realm, kind of putting myself out there. And, you know, I did like a, Oh, Hey guys, I'm doing this thing now. And you know, nothing's come of it so far. So now I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, now what, now I need to like start rethinking how I'm putting myself out there differently. So Mm. yeah, I think, you know, I've just kind of been taking it a chunk at a time of like thinking about what it is I want to do, how I want to present myself, and then now getting more and more myself out there. And, you know, and And of course I'm like anxious because I'm like, why don't I have anybody hiring me yet? But I'm like, it's only been a month. It's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's only been a month. Yeah, Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. Um, I was going to say too, I think uh, when I, and of course everyone's situation is different uh, of like when they're starting a business, but some of the first things I did too were, well, one of the first things is I pivoted a little bit. And so I had this online presence and I was doing this one thing. And then I decided to do the opposite of that thing. And, the easiest thing for me to do was to basically tell everyone around me, um, "Hey!" And this is this is going to sound silly now, but I went from fitness coaching, <laughs> using an MLM, to course creation and helping people teach better, uh, um, helping entrepreneurs teach better specifically because I was like, "Oh yeah, I've spent my entire life doing this," and so sometimes your most You know, powerful asset is like right under your nose. And people are like, Yeah, why aren't you teaching that? And I was like, That is a great question. I know. Um, But once I had that question, you know, asked of me, like, Why aren't you teaching that? I was like, I just went back to my contacts and I said, I will write someone's course with them for free. Like I did a lot. And I don't know that I totally advise that for everyone. um, But if there's a way that there is some sort of offer that you can create, that might be really, really enticing to uh, potentially make some people in your network be like, Oh, well, that's really cool. Like I never, you know, or this is definitely early in her process. That was a way I got some of my first clients. So for those of you listening out there, that might be... um, something that you can do. But of course too, for you, you already have this past, right? So do you have, um, how long ago were those clients
0: that you had? Uh, four years. It, yeah. Four years. It was four okay, years. Not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. and, and of course, like the consulting work that I was doing, that is not really what I'm focusing oh, on now. You want to be doing. Yeah. Now? I okay. mean, it, it is yeah. a little bit, but you know, I kind of have a different like area that I'm kind of targeting. So
1: yeah. yeah, who's who's your ideal person? Maybe someone's listening has a contact or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, so really, since my expertise is in student life, student involvement, it's really working in in those areas. Um, mm. And I don't know, we could get into it now, whatever what my idea is. But um, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. we can. Yeah, it's, let's do it. It feels natural, doesn't it? Um, it does. <laughs> um, yeah. So my my whole kind of basis on what I'm doing now is from a finding from my dissertation, um, one of my findings, and. And how it's about reflective learning and Mm. self-guided self-reflection with students who are involved in extracurricular activities. And my work that I did in my dissertation was with student government leaders and how they make decisions. And so I had them, you know, part of the study was for them to write uh, a journal entry once a week per a whole month as part of my data collection. Mm. And in turn of them actually engaging that they were doing guided reflection. And then that ended up turning out to be a a great finding in the overall um, study because it's like, Oh, they're being forced to think about how they're actually making decisions in their role. And so I was like, okay, so what else can I do with that? And so I'm thinking, and I I was just thinking back on my time when I was, you know, in the midst of, you know, being the student activities advisor and advising the student government leaders. And I'm so, you're just so busy that Mm -hmm. you don't have time to have those students engage in the learning part of extracurricular activities. Um, Interesting. And so I'm thinking like, okay, how can I help, help, you know, student affairs professionals engage their student leaders or student employees, whatever it is into this, you know, the whole learning model, because the really, when it comes down to it and those who are in student affairs listening will definitely agree that we constantly have to kind of talk about our worth to the institution and really back up what it is that we do and why our work is so important. And So like Mm. when someone's saying, oh, you just go out and hand out free pizza to the students and you just, (laughs) you know, you're the fun people, but Mm -hmm. really, I mean, we do have learning outcomes that we set for these student leaders and, Mm. you know, we go through trainings and, you know, they do team building. and So there's lots of different types of stuff that these students are involved in, but the student affairs professionals who are leading them are just so busy that they can't really take on that extra piece of like engaging them in a further learning. So that's kind of where my idea came from with, you know, doing consulting is like either getting in there and doing it for them or mm. teaching them how to, you know, incorporate it in their daily, you know, their daily business. So that's kind of where I am now. Um, but of course, putting it into practice and getting it out there a little bit more and who knows what will happen <laughs> yeah that's definitely it's definitely a recurring
1: theme mm-hmm. um the podcast interview i just did before you with Anu, we talked about this too she's very early in her business as well and so i think it's really great to kind of model these questions and processes that we're thinking through because i think as academics we're really good at that yes. um But marketing kind of stops us in our tracks a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And understandably so. We haven't really been taught how to do that. and In some ways, it seems very antithetical about to what we do and how we usually operate in the world. So um, I think a lot of us struggle with, you know, how do I get in front of the right people? How are they going to find me? How are they, you know, that whole aspect of marketing can can really stop us in our tracks. Um, What would you say when it comes to going out and taking this leap, because it, it is definitely a leap. Yeah. What are you confident in as it relates to your academic background that you think is really going to help you be able to be a good entrepreneur and, you know, get those clients and be really consistent
0: and have a, a, a thriving business. Right. And I, I think, you know, it kind of just comes from the years of experience of working in their world. Um, mm. So, you know, I understand that, you know, you have all these mandates that you have to follow. Like if you work at a state school, you have to get in and um, do all these types of reports. And you have so many constraints within your job that, you know, you have your students taking care of whatever it is that you're overseeing, whatever area it is. And, you know, they're student employees. You're making sure they're, you know, doing their jobs. But because you just have so much going on and you are tired, you, I mean, Mm -hmm. student parish professionals are known to be overworked or they overwork themselves, I should say. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, a lot of times they don't want to take on that extra step of really engaging the students in the actual Mm -hmm. learning of it. Um, So I think just, you know, coming from the world and understanding what it's like, because, you know, I've been in the, in their shoes and being like, Yeah, I'm so over it. Like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, but I, you know, having somebody there who does care to take that extra step with them, I think, is something that would be valuable. I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's what the coolest thing about what we get to do.
1: I think with, I don't know, starting a business, Mm -hmm. is we get to go. Oh, there's a need here. (laughs) Yeah, that is not being met. So yeah. So you are your ideal client. You've been your ideal client, and that is super helpful. So where were you hanging out and getting? um, help from as, um, a student affairs. <laughs> That's funny.
0: Um, <laughs> well, so when I spent the bulk of my career at a state, um, university, so I had lots of colleagues, um, across the campus. Mm-hmm. And so we were very much kind of, uh, constrained, I should say in terms of costs and, you know, either professional development or hiring outside help it's something that is very difficult to get a hold of. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I have, that's one thing I have to kind of think through the different types of institutions, uh, mm. where, where, you know, their funding is coming from, you know, look at, you know, what kind of constraints they have and how, how you can actually kind of get in there and work the systems. Um, I know that, you know, I think probably with the economy has changed and, you know, we're kind of on an uprise right now, which is great. Mm -hmm. There are a little bit more opportunities for, you know, professionals out there to either ask for help and hire help or, you know, kind of have, you know, a little bit more professional development that they can engage in. But I think there's just a lot of there's a huge movement with professional development being done in house, um, Mm -hmm. at certain institutions. And then there's also just a lot of like web presence, professional development. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, I need to really like kind of get in there as well. Um, so I think whenever I was in that case, you know, of course I was just kind of bouncing ideas off my colleagues and those who are, you know, within the network and other institutions, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's some some merit there and like thinking through what, what the constraints are of, of the Mm -hmm. client. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What are your, what are you thinking? What
1: are your goals for the business? Like, um, I know that's kind of a big question, but, um, if you could do it, you know, have ideal situation, like how do you see your business, um, how do you see you in your business? Like, what are you doing every day? And how do you see your business kind of making that larger impact? Mm. That, that is a big question.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not to put you on the spot. I know. I ask the tough ones. <laughs>
0: no, I mean, and I think, you know, it's like the shoot for the moon. Like what's my sure. deal, like how I want to, how I would see, you know, me being valuable is it's kind of like how I did it with my, my dissertation study. You know, I went in, mm. I talked to these student leaders and then, you know, I, put them through a, a required kind of like journaling and like teaching them how mm. to do self-reflection. And then, you know, I reported out on what it was that they were learning about. And so I think kind of ultimately my dream would be is, you know, helping these, these student affairs professionals who have to have their students meet student learning outcomes. They have to report on them because mm-hmm. it's a justification of student affairs profession. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's tied to funding. It's tied to just support in general from the institution, you know, just overall, um, you know, working with these individuals who have these student learning outcomes and then working with the students to see if they're actually lining up with the outcomes that they're intended to get. So, you know, it's running the the guided reflection for these individuals and then reporting Mm -hmm. back to them and, you know, giving them, Hey, your students are in line with what you want them to do or not. And here's maybe what you want to do. Um, Mm. And then I think also too, like helping them create student learning outcomes and get to that point. Um, So that's kind of like my ideal way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But we'll see if that others think that might be valuable or not.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like it is like, it, it definitely sounds like it is the question for you, you know, I think there's a couple things. I think one thing that stood out for me in your um, kind of description of, of you as the ideal client, like what were you, you know, five, ten years ago worried about, um, was this idea of funding, you know. And, and this is where it get, it's interesting as academics, I think, because we're dealing with institutions that move really slowly. Yes. Um, and so <clears throat> we have these ideas. We need help. (laughs) Most people on campus need some sort of extra help that they're not getting. Mm -hmm. But we all are... I don't know if trained is the right word, but we all... um, We all... We know as you're operating within the institution, you are doing kind of business as usual just because you don't know it any differently. So um, I think what stood out for me was this. When you said, um, like, people are doing stuff in-house. They're not necessarily going out for help. If you could target them as individuals and not as the institution, I wonder if that would change. So, and what I mean by that is, yes, it could be cool to approach, you know, San Diego State or whatever, Mm -hmm. or a different institution and be like, hey, like this is this program and and this is how I can help your staff or whatever. But what if they found you as an individual because they were suffering? um, And so then instead of them needing a budget from the school, they could hire you as an individual Mm. uh, because you are saving them time or whatever. But what's interesting about this, and I'm kind of answering my own question (laughs) in my head, but I'm, you know, I definitely want to hear your response. What's interesting though, is like a lot of us as academics don't go outside or we don't, don't go outside the institution. Like we don't even know that there's this whole world Mm -hmm. of access, like a way we can access other people and get help, you know, in coaching or consulting or in a course, um, that's priced appropriately, of course, for where we're at. But so anyways, it's definitely like a double edged sword. Like, I don't know that there's any like right way to do it. But it it definitely something to think about as it relates to how you position, um, you know, how you want to help people. What are you thinking? As I kind of think through that?
0: No, I think that's, that's interesting. Um, It's an interesting thought to go about it that way. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if other student affairs professionals would see that as valuable or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. just knowing how, how people are in the field, if it's an individual thing, professional development for yourself, they'll Mm -hmm. do it. But if it's something that's tied to their job that they need to Mm. do for their job, they are not going to pay for it individually. Yeah. Sure. Um, Which makes sense. And, And they shouldn't have to. right? Exactly. And additionally, you know, a lot of student affairs folks are. Um, I mean, you'll might hear this over and over again: is underpaid and ha- have sure. to do their own side hustle. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Them paying me to do an individual thing would work, but I think if you could spin it somehow, mm-hmm. yeah that that that's a that's an interesting thought. I have to have to noodle on that one for a while.
1: Yeah, so I did an interview on Friday with Miranda, and her work is actually in bringing coaching to. Um, higher education. And in her programming with her students, instead of doing like a final semester with like a capstone project or something, they actually go through a coaching like mastermind together, which I thought was so interesting because I didn't hear any of those words when I was in academia. um, Minus the fact that and I I brought this up on her episode is I I had a dissertation coach. So I found a dissertation coach in what 2000 and 10 or 11 or 12, somewhere around there. And it was like, what? That's a thing? And I'm like, part of me is like, I think we're definitely at a turning point where the institution isn't meeting the needs of everybody which has been going on for a long time yeah uh, yeah, indeed, (laughs) Um, forever (laughs) right okay fine and then it's like but then we have this environment we have social media we have online like it's it's almost easier to start a business now than it ever has been and so of course there's going to start to be services that can really actually help us move well help us in so many different layers of academia like lots of people i've had on this show like serve the academy in some way um whether it's the professors whether it's the students whether it's you know like you're doing like some of the the professionals or the vps right um and so i think it's going to be we're like in a time of shift mm. and part of me even is like you know even just having this podcast what that would have done for me two years ago to know that I wasn't the only person thinking the things I was thinking. And so I I definitely believe that the labor market is shifting a little bit, which is impacting higher ed. It's impacting how we see the work that we do at those institutions. Mm -hmm. But then there's just also the ease of access to starting a new business. And so mix that up, put it in a pot. You know, pretty soon if I paid you, I mean, and, and there's different business models, of course, but like, you know, starting something like a membership site where you're connecting people that have this similar background and they're paying you 20, 30 bucks a month, but you're being able to help them in some way. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yes, we may not be getting paid what we deserve as professors, as, you know, student affairs professionals, I mean, at every aspect of of the institution, but we can probably find a couple, you know, 30 bucks if it's something that we really need help with. Yeah. And so I think there's an awareness, um, an awareness thing that's serving this particular population, someone who is currently in an institution that they're just not aware of, how even paying $100 or $200 a month for you to take something off their plate yeah. is worth it. And I didn't realize that until I started a business. Yeah. Like I I think as salaried professionals, we don't think about our hour breakdown. Mm. We just give. And we love our jobs and we love our students. Um, And we love to teach and we love to, you know, do that kind of thing. And then so it's like, oh, cool. Like, of course, I would like an extra 1%, you know, raise or whatever here and there. Of course. (laughs) And more, of course. But then I never really broke down and say and told myself like, oh, by joining this extra committee that I don't actually have to join, I can't do X, Y, and Z. I never saw it as an exchange. But when I started my like side gig that became my full-time thing it was like oh me going to the distance education meeting is like if i don't get on a sales call or whatever you know what exactly. i mean i could take a sales call and make um you know a week of my salary and like it's those kind of exchanges that you start to realize that was just never on my radar um as as a teacher and so i'm i'm curious you know, looking back, like we play this back in five years and we're going to be like, yep, we were right in the middle of people of this being kind of the normal yeah. where people went outside for help um, and paid for it because they were relieving their own stress and suffering. Um And so, I yeah, I don't know. That's kind of some big (laughs) thoughts things to think through. But that totally
0: like strikes it with me because you know, just thinking Mm -hmm. back on times, you know, we'd have a vice president Mm of student affairs new coming in, and we're like, oh, we're Mm going to do assessment, and we're going to have these huge assessment (laughs) things, and the whole you know division has to go through all these things and goal setting, and you have all these points Mm -hmm. you have to hit along the way. And my boss and I were like, Oh, why? So like, if I had somebody that I could have just been like, Hey, can you do this for me? Yeah, Yeah, that would have been amazing. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, that's the kind of thing we start to think about you know, maybe you weren't looking for um, someone to do it for you because you didn't even know it was an option, no. but that doesn't mean that there aren't people that are starting to stumble upon options yeah. right there and I feel like it's gonna be all of us connecting with each other um and you know getting the right contacts and and almost like collecting each other too yeah. like into into these communities where we can go like okay how like what do we need help with like how could Um, And how can I help them, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's definitely a market. It's not whether or not there's a market or a need. It's... It's whether they, or not they know that you have a solution for them exactly. and that it's possible. It's like, that's going to be your. Trick. It's like Task Rabbit for working professionals. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's actually pretty Isn't good. That great! Oh, we should totally do. Yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great metaphor. Yeah. It is like Task Rabbit. Yeah. Very cool. Like if you can systematize that process, because that's another thing. I love how this is like turning into like a coaching <laughs> I session. Know. I think it, no, I think it's good because um, a news call was like this too. Our, our podcast that we just recorded was because she. So in the early stages, Mm -hmm. um, but I think us thinking through it like out loud is probably going to help a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like for you, it's, the task rabbit thing makes sense, right? Yeah. So if you if you think about it from the perspective of okay, there's a done for you version mm-hmm. where they are turning in something to you, so you'd have to figure out what that looked like. But then, what are a couple steps away from that? Even like, is there templates or processes that they could get their hands yeah. on that would make it easier? So maybe you're not doing it for them, but you're making it easier, which then is a different price point, right? right? right. So you you can think through. What the deliverable potentially could be to solve a a burning mm. problem that they have mm-hmm. something so they definitely don't have enough time and they have to do this task um, and then yeah, if you figure out the system to deliver that i I think i th- I'm wondering if maybe, too, if you reached out to, you know, some of your older institutions and stuff, if it wasn't as clear of what you do yeah. um, and what the exact package is, because maybe they're like, oh, cool. Like, congrats. Good luck. Yeah. but. If you're more specific and saying, this is what I do and how I do it, um, do you know anyone who could use this help? Yeah um, that's and then like drop your website that then explains it a little bit more. Um, I always love a good indirect ask in in a in kind of one of those kind of conversations, yeah. like, oh, it was so great working for you or being a part of your institution. I have this new venture, and I help this this person with this exact issue and this is how I help them. Then they know, oh, yeah. John would be so great for this or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because I do think tapping into our warm kind of our network currently is so key when when you're where you're at right now, which is like who and and I even think too, yeah, in the academics mean business group, you know, are there like especially like Dave and I know Mark is another one, and I know both of them are kind of exiting the profession. Yeah. Or well, Mark definitely has, but um, you know, do they know people or how, or are there other free Facebook groups out there for student um, affairs professionals? Yes. And if not, do you want to start one or, you know, so I think there's a lot that can be, I think in this early, early stage is how do I like use who's around me currently to bring in cash. Mm -hmm. Um, and then how do I, um, hang out where they're hanging out. Right. Right. (laughs) So then, and then potentially, you know, um, just even getting on the phone and getting to know them and say, and, and that kind of thing could be a key towards, um, really going, Oh, so that's actually what you're struggling with. I'm not talking about it in the right way or Mm. something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's true. Oh, that's a good idea. Sorry, I have just have so many thoughts going through my head right now. <laughs> I bet. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's really
1: interesting, and um, it's. I totally know where you're at, and I think you're at the point where you need a win. At, like you need something to to fall to fall through, right? Like, or to well, not fall through, follow yeah. through. Like something to go through and happen. And um, it's like, okay, what's the fastest way to make that happen? How? Like, who in your network yeah. um, can help with that? So. If anyone's listening, um, (laughs) yeah, obviously send people Sarah's way, um, as she works through this. Cause I think, um, I think she's got something. We just got to figure out exactly how to position it. Right. And find the right people. Oh,
0: that's great. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Um, so I'm curious, what else can we talk about? Um, so one thing (laughs) that I wanted to talk about, and I'm not not sure if others have brought this up, but this was something like a a few of us that just graduated with our, our, our dissertation with our Mm. doctorate degree, were all finding that once we, you know, we were finishing up, once we defended and graduated that our places of employment, particularly our supervisors, like they're, they shifted their attitude towards us. And really, yes. And I don't know. I mean, this is not, has anything to do with the business, but it's, it's like a phenomenon that I'm like, you know, seeing happen with multiple people and I'm wondering if it's something that others are experiencing out there. Um, so yeah, I don't know.
1: It is in a more negative way, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: So that's interesting. So, um, yeah, and so I only have my experience as a as a professor and I I got yeah, I defended my dissertation after I had already had my tenure track position. I actually the first semester I taught at the school was the semester I was defending, so it was pretty intense and they were really great with my schedule and they helped me, you know, make sure I I finished, but I think at the community college, it's interesting because not everyone has a PhD or an EDD or any sort of yeah. doctorate. Um, everyone has a master's. Right. So there's definitely that interesting, like, Oh yeah, cool. Like you did it. And it's really great. But as a professor, it's kind of like, okay, but I'm wondering, do you think it has something to
0: do with being in just in student affairs? I think it is because, um, mm. so everybody has a master's degree in student affairs mm-hmm. or the, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 90% do. Um, and that's just the norm but then now there's this huge shift of like well you need to get a doctorate if you want to go on into upper administration and you know even there's vice president of student affairs out there that may not have a doctorate although it's it's Mm -hmm. becoming more and more common that they do so Mm -hmm. i think if like you know you're an associate vice president or you know a dean of students you don't have your doctorate yet but you're working on it of course that makes sense but if you are like someone like me who's you know not in a upper upper admin role already mm-hmm. and then you get the doctorate, then it's like, Oh, well, why why are you still here? Or what? It, it's mm-hmm. just, it was an interesting thing to, to be a part of That's, you know, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why I left is because of that. I was wondering. Yeah, because yeah. of that, um, that attitude shift towards me. And so, um, but I, you know, just talking with my colleagues, my cohort members, and some other people, they're also finding that. And it's, it's so funny because it's like, oh, you need to go on and do this if you want to be, you know, it's just like how you used to have to get a bachelor's degree to do right. anything. Now it's, now yep, you gotta do yep, this. And yep. so, you no. Know.
1: Yeah. And then from their perspective, oh, are you vying for my position or like, or whatever? Because now, yeah, I could totally see. That's so interesting. And I think to relate it to some of the other topics, it it totally is related, I think, to the identity of an academic and um, our working environments. That's a theme that has come up as well. Um, And kind of to circle it back to the, you know, when you were talking about deciding to leave, you know, we... I think it was Amy Walsh's interview where she kind of talked about how, well, lots of lots of people have talked about it, but she kind of more, more outlined it in a way that was like, they, we're taken advantage of because we love it. And it's almost like the way it operates, but then it can get to a point where it's very damaging emotionally, mentally, and, um, you know, m- several people have talked about having a bad experience with an advisor, mm-hmm. with a, d- a department chair. Um, you know, and so it's it is interesting to to the academic environment is unique in that mm-hmm. sense. There is a lot of gatekeeping and people, and you know that kind of thing, and it and it is competitive in its own way, and you know, but um, mm-hmm. there's something about going like you know feeling. Yeah, like what you're bringing up of, of feeling maybe challenged or threatened yeah. because of like advancing in your own career that is just like a little troubling. Like you're just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then just to, to to have you actually have, you know, fellow, you know, your fellow grads friends going through the same thing and being like, oh, then that's probably something a little more widespread, yeah. not just an isolated thing. Yeah.
0: And of course, you know, the majority of them are women. So that also is another mm-hmm. extra that's layer. Also so. gonna, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting. And, you know, I mean, kudos for you for, taking the the leap of faith. Um, I know that's not easy to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, making that jump and being like, Hey, I can't hang in this in this environment anymore. It's not it's not worth it. And I what I always told myself, and maybe this is something that you can relate to, when we decided to both leave my husband and I, it's not like we had all this money saved in the bank, like we were basically cutting, we were just going like all in. <laughs> but I, we stood back from it. And we're like, Wait, What's the worst thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. Okay. The worst thing that could happen is it doesn't work. It's not like the degree just like goes up in flames. Like, you know, yes, we'll have to explain a couple of years potentially, but like... I mean what a what a cool you know interview topic like oh yeah i started this business and and whatever and and also how relatable for your students to recognize you know the many facets of like being out in the world um, at least so um yeah so for me it was like it was it's risky but it's not whenever i think of the worst case scenario it actually takes me down a little bit cuz i'm like oh yeah there isn't really actually a worst case it's not as um it's not like it's not like I I would be out on the street, essentially, like I have my family. I mean, there's lots of options. So um, that really helped me in making that decision. What, what was it like for you to really get into making that decision? If you, if you don't want to mind talking about that?
0: Uh, No, it was, you know, um, the circumstances of course were, you know, kind of, it, it was a mental health kind of taking care of myself mm-hmm. and it had been months and months of just, you know, not wanting to get up. And I know that's kind of a theme that everybody mm. has said on the podcast is like, I don't really want to get up and get out of bed and go to work because I'm just mm-hmm. so over it. And, you know, the writing was on the wall that I was being pushed out. I'd seen so many people pushed out mm. in jobs before in higher ed. What does that mean? To What does that so, mean?
1: Cause that, that's definitely something that a faculty member doesn't yeah. typically have to
0: deal with not True. not entirely but definitely not when you have So Sunday. it wasn't specifically this but I've seen people get moved around to different areas mm. be like all of a sudden like that didn't happen to me Unappeasing Yeah areas. or you know yeah, just yeah, yeah. Uh, you know for me it was being nitpicked uh, like all like a shift Mm. of being nitpicked and then having conversation after conversation of the same thing over and over again of my performance. And I was like, okay. So it, it, you know, Mm. it was just like, okay, they're trying to push me out. And like, because of course they knew that I was looking to find a different opportunity. You know, I'd been there for two years and finished my degree. So they knew the writing was Mm -hmm. on the wall. So I think they were just wanting Ah. to like move, move on. And so, I left on my own terms. I was like, no, I'm done. But it's, it's interesting, you know, going through and, you know, building up my website and writing all my blog posts and everything about reflection is in turn, Mm -hmm. I'm also reflecting on what I've been doing in my life. And it's actually been really good because Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, kind of practicing what I'm preaching here and, and I'm okay with it all. And, um, Mm -hmm yeah, it is scary, but I do think, thankfully I'm privileged enough to have the support of both of our families and like, we you know, mm-hmm, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I never, I never thought I would be in a situation like this. Like things mm. don't happen to me like this. You know, I've always no. followed the, the steps of what you're supposed to do along the way. and, mm. And mm-hmm. here I am played by the exactly. rules. Exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah. I think that's part of the reflection. It's like, Oh, well, maybe this is where I'm supposed to go now. So yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's definitely a pattern that comes up too. Is like, it's very clear what the next steps are in this game yeah, indeed. <laughs> in the academic game. But yeah. And then, and then entrepreneurship is just this like fog of like, anything can happen (laughs) but also really cool which makes me feel in some ways like more alive and more creative than I was within an institution because it's it is very clear like this is what should happen and when and why and um And then there, of course, is, yeah, the bad colleagues or the bad administrator that was more common in my school. It was bad administration and, you know, always butting heads in that sense. So, um, yeah, we start to just start to question going, Okay, like if I can do this opportunity that, you know, I'm my own boss and I can make my my decisions. It's not that it's easier, Mm -hmm. like. I definitely don't like, you know, that's common on this podcast too, is to paint the picture that you know, running a business isn't easier, but it is cool because yeah, like you're saying, you can kind of wake up and be like, okay, I'm going to write, I'm going to bang out some blog posts. I'm going to do this, this. And it's like coming through you in a way that, um, you know, teaching is teaching felt awesome. And it was such a, a great experience. I love doing that. But the labor of teaching. It didn't feel like it was labor when I was teaching, but it was all the other things tacked on. And like, you know, like the groans that you get when you have to, yeah, completely rewrite your (laughs) institutional outcomes and your program outcomes and all that stuff. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like why? And that stuff's added without any raises. And so that's the kind of thing that just started weighing me down. If I just had to show up and teach every day, that would be a whole different yeah. ballgame. We would, we would, this probably pro- podcast probably wouldn't even exist. <laughs> I wouldn't need it to. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I became a professor for the stability, but I'm leaving because it was like a little too stable. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. A <laughs> little too, little too, yeah, little too like this is the way things are. I mean, I was always a little rebellious within the institution, I guess, yeah. but, um, but still within the, you know, within the confines of what's expected,
0: obviously. Huh funny but yeah
1: very cool so um kind of towards the end of the podcast I always like asking the question about advice that you give to people Mm -hmm. I know you're like kind of currently all up in it but if you could give advice maybe about initially starting your consulting and and how that happened for you or any tips um or things that are really working for you currently right now um Mm -hmm.
0: that would be awesome yeah um I would say kind of start, start small. (laughs) Um, Mm. and you know, this is all born out of just kind of one little idea that came from the bigger, bigger picture. Um, and Mm -hmm. so, and just kind of go from there, you know, I think, you know, we can try to really take on the world and be everything and Mm. anything, but really we have to kind of, if you think small and you, and you kind of just zone in on that for a little bit, it, it'll help you find your niche a little bit better and earlier on down the road. Mm. So, um, and I think, you know, just, you know, sh- shameless plug here is like, yeah, do practice sure. self-reflection and, yeah. um, you know, really ask yourself the hard questions and be honest with yourself. Cause that's probably one of the hardest things to do is actually be really it's honest true. with yourself
1: what would be some tips for doing that? So mm-hmm. you talk about kind of like, maybe like journaling or like, what, what are some practices in your research that you found really helps people? Yes. To do that? So
0: really the biggest uh, thing that I found is you need to be alone, be quiet with yourself, um, mm. you know, shut off the noise. And the noise is, you know, not just, you know, what's going on around your environment, but also in your head. Like, Mm -hmm. Even if it's like starting small, you know, write out a question to yourself that you need to answer, honestly, um, just, uh you know, take, if you can sit alone with that question for five to 10 minutes. And just answer that with nothing else going on in your brain, nothing else around you. That's a good start. Um, And just Mm kind of journal it out. And then uh, another thing is reflect on the same thing frequently. So maybe once a week, answer the same question once a month. um, Because that's one thing that I found in my study is that even if you ask the students a question, the first thing you need to ask them the same question over and over again because over time mm-hmm. the reflection changes their thought and how they approach the question. So, you know, it, it, it's you know we're all works in progress. So I think it works yeah, the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the the, the cool. quick tips that you could probably use.
1: Yeah, I love this because I um, I definitely have a morning practice mm-hmm. that's that's related. Um, I. Don't I I have some things like at the end of the day, I ask myself, but it's also something I could be doing a little bit mm-hmm. better. But the funny thing is, is it's not something I even considered doing until I became an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember early in my days as a professor, you know, I would reflect on like how the lesson went. And like it was very it was very towards like, yeah, my job or my students mm-hmm. But it wasn't really towards me and my own growth, which I think is so interesting. But in entrepreneurship or like when you're... When the business is coming through you and money, you making money is coming through you, I mean, you grow so quickly. And if you're not being honest with yourself or avoiding stuff, usually that's the thing you have to do next, whatever it is. Um, So in, you know, creating a practice early on um, in your business to, uh, to be doing stuff like that, I think is really huge. So I think that's really, really great advice. Um, And, and, you know, hiring coaches and mentors is something that I did pretty quickly as well, because I was, I, in my head, I was like, look, I can get there faster with the guidance of someone else Mm -hmm. um, who's done it before or who could have solved this very specific thing. And so coaching and I I think I really jumped into mastermind, really Mm. um, masterminding, which is like a group of people coming together. It was other female entrepreneurs. Um, You know, we meet together every... A couple of weeks I forget the different programs I've done but it was really helpful it's similar it's like what's working right now like where do you need support like those kind of questions and to see your growth you know reflected back to you by this group of people is really helpful too so um I love it yeah. i think that's that's amazing advice <laughs> And coming from research, I lo- would also we love on the academics. Gotta love it, right? <laughs> Gotta love it, and I, I think it is cool. Like how many guests have used their, you know, their doctoral research to actually inform their businesses and, and filling a need that is happening in the world. I think it's yeah, so cool. Yeah,
0: that's why we yeah. do it, I guess. Right. So thanks. <laughs> Exactly.
1: That's why we're here. And this is why this podcast exists. Well, it's been so fun chatting with you, Sarah. Thanks so much. It's been great. Thanks for coming. I'm glad I got to know you better. And I look forward to us getting to know each other even more. Sure. Where where could people follow you and get to know
0: you as well? Where are you kind of hanging out right now? Sure. Uh, so I am on Twitter. It's at SG Reflex and on Ooh, Facebook. Nice. Um, and I have LinkedIn, Sarah Longaegos. Um, and then of course, my email, all the informations in the in the show notes, I believe.
1: Oh, perfect. Yes, we will definitely be dropping all those links. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to connecting later. All
0: right. Thanks so much. Thanks. (laughs) Bye.